Hey, this is Pastor Roy Barrett from Discover Life Church. Thank you for joining today's podcast. Now let's get ready to be transformed, have our hearts encouraged, and live the life God has created us to live. Enjoy today's teaching. The Gospel according to St. John, the Gospel according to St. John, chapter number 11, chapter number 11, verses 1, verses 1 through 6, and we're going to look at verses 17 through 44, but for the interest of time, I just may walk us through this, and I am going to violate the rule of communication, which means never make an assumption that everybody knows the story. But I'll walk through this for the interest of time. Verse 1 through 6. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness would not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. I want to read verses 5 and 6 again, because I don't want you to miss this. Now Jesus did what? Okay, open book test. Now Jesus... Love Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. But let me just give, I want to give you verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Already in the tomb for four days. Father, thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in this place. We love you, and we declare that whatever you speak, we will do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We've been talking about for the last month um, a series entitled In It to Win It, how God has created us and designed us to win in every area of our life. God never created us to be defeated, live defeated, but God created us to thrive, to be the head and not the tail, to be above and not beneath. And so... One of the things that we're going to focus on or our focus today is winning while waiting, winning while waiting, winning while waiting. And I want to jump in this right off the bat and say this. I know I am not the most technological, digital guru in the world. I still believe in pencil and paper. That's just me. I just believe in pencil and paper. Today, I said if I'm going to talk about this in all purity of heart and all honesty, I left my Bible at home. And I, and I read it from the iPad. It, Crystal looked at me this morning. She said, you need your Bible. I said, nah, I'm going to do it from the, I'm going to read from my iPad. I'm not going to read pages. I'm going to read from my iPad. And ooh, I left the house. I like, God, am I still saved? <laughs> you know, it, it, I need pay, I need a highlighter. I need to turn it. Because when you turn, you feel like a Christian. You know, this scrolling thing, I, you know, I don't, what, stop. Okay, um, it went too far. So I'm getting used to how to do some of this stuff myself. One of the reasons I had you put your head down is because I was taking a picture instead of getting to the Bible, and I was taking a picture of the podium. And so I got to learn how to work this thing. <laughs> so, so I say that, you yeah, help him, Lord. And so I bring that up because living in a technological age, 
we're used to things being accelerated. We're used to things being quickly at our disposal. So now you don't have to wait for anything. It has made us tremendously blessed and cut down on waiting time. But it's also spoiled us. Because the practice of patience and endurance is not found in many of our lives because we don't see a need to wait. It's, I just lost some of my amens right there. We don't see a need to wait. Can't you just send it over? Just email, zip file it. Just, just send it up. I'm going to mail it to you. Ma why mail it? You can't s make an attachment and send it. Take a picture. To, we don't see a need to wait. Why do I have to wait? And the reason I introduce it with something as practical as technology is because when you look at Lazarus in this story, the whole issue of the sister sending Jesus this message that Lazarus is sick, Lazarus represents a prayer request. <laughs> Lazarus represents a prayer request, a dream, a vision, that you're asking God to come to heal it, to bring it into fruition, to bring it into manifestation. And let's not get it twisted. Everybody under the sound of my voice is waiting on God for something. Okay, I'm going to say it again. Everybody in here is waiting on God for something. A healing, a breakthrough, a deliverance, an answer, confirmation. Each of us is waiting on God for something. But as the old folks told me at the Baptist church, you can't hurry God. You just have to wait. Okay, what, anybody else went to that Baptist church? They just, you know, you can't hurry. Look, I don't care what you, you can't hurry. God, you just have to wait. And the reason I highlight that is because, watch this, watch this, Tanisha. When I look at the story, it's not even an issue of waiting. It becomes an issue of love. It becomes an issue of love because the writer goes through painstaking efforts to tell us you're not talking about Jesus' interaction with people who don't love him. You're not talking about Jesus' interaction with people who don't worship him. The writer says they love Jesus and Jesus loved them. Yet when he heard about their prayer request, their situation, he stayed where he was two more days. Not 15 minutes, not 30 minutes. He got their prayer request and chilled out. So why is it all about love? Because when you look at what we're dealing with, it gives us this insightful truth that the more we love, the deeper we love. The object of our love, it sets an expectation that because you know I love you, you will come quick to my rescue. Okay, I'm going to say that again. The more we love, the deeper we love. Whoever or whatever the object of our love is, it causes an expectation, since you know I love you, you will come to the rescue quickly. Because you know I love you, you don't want me to be in pain. And you're going to do whatever you can to expedite bringing me a solution or getting me out of this place of frustration. This is why waiting hurts so much because I love so much. Waiting wouldn't irritate me if I ain't love so much. Come on, come on, don't leave me out here. Waiting wouldn't hurt so much if it wasn't for the fact that my emotions were attached. It wouldn't hurt so much 
if it wasn't for the fact that my expectations is now involved. And so when you talk about winning while waiting, it's keeping my emotions disciplined, my expectations disciplined, while I'm trying to make sense of the fact that God, since you know I love you so much, why haven't you moved? And the longer God seemingly takes, the easier it is to mislead and misdiagnose our lives. Because nothing about our human tendencies when you're waiting leads to a winning outcome. Okay, I'm going to say it again. Nothing about our human tendency, how we're wired when you have to wait, goes towards the positive. It's in the fact that you got to wait and you're not in control. You don't know everything. You can't do everything. The mind starts drifting to the worst. That's why one of the things that's just a pet peeve of mine, and you may be stronger than me, I hope my um, transparency don't, don't scare you off, but I don't like doctor's appointments when they tell me, come in for tests, and then we'll give you the results in seven days. I don't like, I don't like, I don't, I don't even like the little stuff that come in on Friday and we'll give you, the, we'll give you results on Monday. Because why, over the weekend, you like, okay, what happened? And you went in, the cough, you said, oh my gosh, Elizabeth, I'm coming to join you. Because why? Nothing about, come on, don't look at me with that tone of faith. Nothing about the human proclivity tends to go to the best. Watched it. By design, by being a human being in a fallen world, you are wired to worry more than you are to believe God. Just by the virtue of Adam's sin. I'm not talking about now that you're saved. I'm saying before you got saved, even with loving God, because we're all still being changed and transformed by default and design through your human makeup. When you got to wait, you got a battle in your mind. God, things are going to be okay. Yeah, God, things are going to turn out. You, you wait. Yeah, I believe. You went to the doctor, and you got examined for a lump on the breast, something in your body. You got a CAT scan. You got an EKG. You have, you, it's a battle in your mind to believe God that everything, come on, I know I'm not out here by myself. It's a fight. And, I know, and you may be putting on a good front right now like some of you are, but you know and I know it's a fight. You drive home pleading the blood at every stop sign. You got all your scriptures. You got all your songs. You gird yourself up in prayer before the test. You pray after the test. You pray during the test. You were looking for a sign from God that everything going to be all right. You look Looking at the tag of every waiter, every waitress, everybody in the hospital. You're trying to look and you saw the sign that the person who helped you was angel and you took that as a sign that God is with me. You looking for evidence that it's going to be okay. This is why we say when God closes one door, he'll open another door, but it sure as hell in the hallway in the meantime. It's that waiting part. How do I stay true and don't check out while I'm waiting on God? Let me, I'm going to give you five things and I'll be out your way. We all right, Kim? Because they're looking at that tone of face. That, okay, well, let me give you these five things, what to remember while you're waiting, to, to win while you're waiting. Number one, here's what to remember. My present situation can seemingly get worse. 
My present situation can seemingly get worse. What to remember while you're waiting? When they tell Jesus Lazarus is sick, by the time Lazarus shows up, Imani, Lazarus dead. When I call you Jesus, he was only sick. When you finally showed up, he dead. It's like somebody coming. It's like, you know, I told you that Aunt Jackie was sick, and now you show up. She in the tomb. We done had chicken and yellow rice. We done cleaned out the house. We done gave the furniture away. We done gave her clothes away. We got the house on the market to sell, and here come Jesus pulling up, talking about I'm here. And you're looking at Jesus like, you done lost your everlasting mind. Now, watch this. Because they loved Jesus and Jesus loved them, you don't think Mary and Martha were like, when Jesus get my request, I know he going to move. I'm a worshiper. I tithe. I pray. Look, we, I stayed in church two and a half hours. I know he going he gonna to come to me. Look. I, look, she cursed me out, and Jesus knew three years ago we would have been on the news because I would have been upside her head. So I know he's he surely going to move on my behalf. And Jesus showed up. Lazarus is dead. You, you, you want to know the problem? The problem is when we're often waiting, God is teaching us the lesson that every emergency you have isn't my priority. <laughs> that your emergency isn't always my priority. Can I take it deeper? Let me tell you why. Because he's teaching us your life is all about my glory being revealed. And sometimes it's seemingly going to look bad, but I needed to get from bad to worse so I can get more glory. So if you want to know how to win while waiting, make sure when you're waiting that the focus is on God being glorified. Okay, I know I lost it. We don't want to hear that part. Make sure the focus on when you're waiting God, I just want you to be glorified. I just want you to be glorified above all things. You want to know why? Because if I make God being glorified the focus, here's what it does to my heart. Drake, what Drake, Drake. Here's what it does to my heart. It helps me to see, God, my situation is a setup. As long as I focus, Keisha, on God being glorified, now I, this situation is a setup. It's not going to end like this. It's not going to end in the worst. It's a, it's a setup. Look at your neighbor and say, it's a setup. And the reason I know it's a setup is because if it's seemingly going from bad to worse, then God is going to get some glory because God gets the most glory when I can't be involved. And when you're waiting, you got to remind yourself, God, just get the glory. God, get the glory. God, but it's a tough pill to swallow because things, instead of going from good to better, seem like they're just getting worse. And the way I keep myself mentally sane is by saying, God, just get the glory. God, just be glorified. God, be glorified. Let me give you number two. Number two. Number two. What to remember? My prayer was heard the first time. <laughs> it would have been, you know, when I was preparing this message, I was like, God, that's how I need to start. It's right here. Your prayer was heard the first time. But, but to be true to the text, and like, no, you start with the fact that God get the glory. And then, then you move into the fact this, your prayer was heard the first time. Because the scripture is very clear. 
He got their prayer request. He heard them. And what causes me to get frustrated and waiting is that I feel like, God, you ain't hear me. So I start tweaking my prayers. We're all my tweakers. You know when you feel like God ain't heard, you start tweaking the prayer. You start fine-tuning. Maybe I ain't prayed the right word. Maybe I ain't said right. So you're like, God, will you please move and open the door and cause me to know your perfect will? And then because you feel like God ain't heard you, you start saying, you know, God, with everything inside of me, I just want to do your will. If you would just speak to me in such a way that I know it's you. And then you keep tweaking it. God, you know my heart. Your perfect will is what's good and acceptable. And you know the desires of my heart. You wish above all things to pro. You keep fine-tuning it. And God is like this. I heard you the first time. But my problem is, God, I equate hearing to doing. Because I was raised by a mama that said, boy, if you heard me, you should have did something. Didn't you hear what I said? Yes, you ain't took the trash out. You must be ain't heard me because I know if, if you heard me, you would have took the trash out. And we do the same thing with God. God, if you heard me, you would have moved by now. What my people who want to be truthful? You know you equate, God, if you heard my prayer the first time. And God says, no, if you want to win, you got to be rooted in this revelation. I heard you. And you got to stand on the fact that he heard you. Because if you're not convinced when you pray and God hears you the first time, now James speaks to us. A double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. And that person should never think they would get anything from God. Look at your neighbor and say, he heard you the first time. You know, in my notes... I made a state, I wrote a little side statement to myself. Um, and, you know, you can have it. If it bless you, I'll pray for you. But I just wrote this. Don't throw away my confidence in God just because I haven't heard from God. Don't throw away my confidence in God just because I haven't heard from God. He heard me the first time. Number three. My praise and worship does help. When you are waiting on God, I'm just giving you some truths to remember. Number one, you got to recognize that my situation, my present situation can seemingly get worse. Number two, my prayer was heard the first time. Number three, my praise and worship does help. Because both sisters had a private conversation with Jesus. Mary has one. Martha has one. They have their own private conversations in the same place. And both sisters say to Jesus in their, in their exact same words, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. If you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Uh, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Words that echo of praise and worship. I know if you show up that things will change. And Mary even falls down in worship. And out of their response to Jesus, he says, show me where you've laid him. Watch this. Even though it's dead, even though you've written it off, even though you feel like it's useless and hopeless, I want to let you know that your praise and worship still has merit. And for many of you, because you feel like it's over, you stop praising. But your praise and worship helps because it would direct God to where he can do the very thing you've been waiting on. Am I making sense? Your praise and worship still helps. Both ladies in the exact same place 
if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And it tells us praise and worship will override where you feel like you had to live with defeat. Where you feel like you got to live with defeat, your praise and worship can override that. Praise will override the outcome. <laughs> Number four. Number four. My problem is really about staying open to God. My problem, I'm, I'm a land here. I, we, we might, I might as well go ahead and unpack all of this, this last part, because this, this is the part where many of us are right here. My problem is about staying open with God. What do you mean staying open? Martha says to Jesus, Lazarus has been dead four days. Her statement, Jamie, exposes how long she was able to trust God. Four days. Her statement exposes that her faith was only good for four days. <laughs> By this time, he's thinking. It, it, don't raise him because I don't want to smell him. Now, watch this. Out of that comes something that's very important because they placed Lazarus in a tomb, mouth of a cave with a stone in front. I told you at the beginning, the whole issue of Lazarus is like a prayer request. It's your dream. It's a desire. It's a vision. God hadn't come to help or raise it or bring it into fruition. So when God doesn't show up, we place in the tomb, which represents our heart, we place dreams, visions in our heart that are buried. We roll a stone over it. It's called having a hard heart. The heart becomes hard because God didn't come. You got tired of waiting, and so the heart, the heart got hardened. Oh, my gosh. You roll that stone, that hard stone, over the heart, and you say the dream is no longer good, the vision is no longer good. Because in waiting, when Jesus don't show up at the appointed time, the heart can easily get closed. You stop believing, stop expecting, and watch this. And before he could raise Lazarus' blame, he says, you got to remove the stone. You got to deal with your own hardness of heart. I, I had a friend who said it this way on Facebook. Evangelist Candace Daly said it this way. I told her I was going to steal it. She, Bitterness is natural, but hope and peace is a choice. And, and, and uh, bitterness or hardness of heart is natural, but hope and peace is a choice. Because when you're waiting and God is not seemingly moving, what happens? The longer you wait, the more that stone starts getting closer to the heart. And God says, nah. Before I can do anything, that heart got to stay open. And for some of you right now, the fight is keeping your heart pure, clean, not allowing hardness of heart to set in. Selah. If 
you feel like you're in a battle right now, and you're saying, like, God, I just, I'm just fighting to keep my heart clean and open before you, raise your hand. I know it may not be everybody. Just raise your hand up high. There's no, no shame, no condemnation. Father, help us to keep our hearts pure. And where the stone may even be placed, to remove the stone and roll it away. Because nothing is too hard for you. In Jesus' name, amen. This is why the last point is this. My promise is going to be fulfilled. The last point is my promise is going to be fulfilled. Because Martha says, by now he stinks. Been four days. And Jesus responds, but didn't I tell you if you believe you would see the glory of the Lord? Now, how many of you are glad for the prayers that God refused to answer? That when you made bonehead requests, that God looked beyond your ignorance and immaturity and just override. Oh, come on. You should, I should have had more people. Come on. You know, you know there were some prayers you said to God that God just knew you ain't mean what you praying. And if he responded to that right now, that you would, then you're going to turn back around. Well, God, why did you do it? He says, didn't I tell you if you believe? And what God is saying right now, while you are waiting, and you may feel like you are losing and being defeated, didn't I tell you? I wish I had a better example, but I used to hate getting, well, y'all, I didn't grow up with um, time out. I didn't grow up with time out, so I don't know, I don't know how that works. Um, and uh, I, I grew up with a whooping. That, that's, how, that's how I grew up. Now, I look back over my life, I wonder if it was child abuse. But I, it wasn't child abuse, but I grew up with whoopings. And, and, and it seemed like your parents would be preaching to you while they whoop you. Didn't I? Now, what? Because the only reason you got a whooping is because you ain't believe what they said. They told you to be home before the street light. Come on, and, you, and it was over, and they just had a calm face when you walked in. And they said, just go on upstairs. And, when, and, when they, and you would think, see, you want them to beat you in silence. Don't talk to me while you beat me. Just beat me. But they would be beating you, and they would say, boy. And here's what God is saying. He's not whooping you. You are whooping yourself. But he is still giving you the same message. Didn't I tell you? Because why? He is showing us just because you're tired of waiting don't mean it's too late. Just because you're tired of waiting doesn't mean it's too late. Here's the big so what. The big so what is this. Just because I'm exhausted doesn't mean the promise has expired. Just because I'm exhausted, it doesn't mean the promise has expired. Sometimes we think because I'm tired, that's God's way of saying no. Don't let exhaustion be your evidence that God is not going to do it. That's a message right there. Don't let your exhaustion be evidence in your mind that God's not going to do it. 
What I find fascinating that I never paid attention to is that Alina, they gave Jesus one message, one prayer request, but they gave him two praise and one worship. Jesus, whom you loveth is sick, prayer request. When they see him, both sister prays and Mary worship. While you're waiting, turn your prayer request into praise. Turn it into worship and know that if God shows up, he's going to show out. Amen? Bow your heads. Father, we love you, we honor you, and we pray in this moment that there are many of us, all of us, are waiting on something in some way, some fashion. But while we're waiting, the psalmist says, if I wouldn't have believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, I would have fainted. I would give up. I would throw in the towel. But Holy Spirit, when our heart is fainting, you're the strength of our heart. And I pray that you would strengthen us. There are some now, God, they, they have readily and so humbly admitted that it's a battle to keep the heart pure and clean. I pray for grace to keep that stone from coming over the heart, to keep our heart tender before you, clear and clean, open before you. We receive this day the revelation and the understanding and the application that it's never too late for you. You specialize in raising dead things, dreams, desires, goals, and plans. Nothing is beyond the scope of your power. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. I pray you enjoyed today's teaching. Let's keep in touch by subscribing to the Discover You podcast. Be blessed.